Welcome back to MVC Weekly. I'm your host, Scott Preros. With you today, I have my sports reporter, Jacob Burish. How's it going, Jacob? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. A big week of basketball uh, behind us and a lot to look forward to. Um, we're going to cover some women's basketball today, starting with uh, the Redbirds of Illinois State. Uh, currently sitting on a two-game losing streak now after um, their 5-0 and start to the season. Um this is a really good team, to say the least. I mean, I know that they have this two-game losing streak, but when you have the versatility of this team, we talk about it every week, you have a lot of potential to win games, but you got to find some consistency in the post. We talked about this last week. Um, Paige Robinson's been amazing for this team this year. Mary Crompton has really stepped it up. Maya Wong has been silently having a very solid season, still with seven points a game, but the post play just has been too inconsistent. I'm... Dana Wilson was a preseason first-team All-MVC recipient, and she's just struggled at times this year. She still is averaging 10 points per game, but on just 36% shooting from the field, and you never want to see that from your center position. Yeah, like you said, she shot 30%. She was 4-16. Um, from what I was able to watch, her, her jump hook looked pretty flat, so that that's a little cause for concern to see if that can get touched. Uh they had some missed opportunities towards the end of the game. They very easily could have won this game. They lost 75-65, to 65, but it was much closer than that. Like in the final three minutes, they definitely could have pulled ahead if they just tightened some things up. Uh, they had trouble defending the pick and roll. wasn't great to see. It was just routine mistakes. Uh, Bowman was 3 of 10. Paige Robinson did have 15, but she shot 5 of 15. So it, it was just a really inefficient day uh, for them. Uh, it's... It's a. I don't. I don't want to overreact and like. You. You don't overreact now. It's. That's five two. They've looked great. Uh, one thing uh, we've mentioned though uh, to keep an eye out uh, is the minutes of uh, Robinson and Crompton. Robinson's currently still averaging thirty six a game. Crompton thirty five. So it, it'll be interesting to see as conference play approaches if maybe some more players off the bench get some more minutes. Granted. That, that's been kind of an issue lately. They, they've only gone maybe two or three deep per game. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Kristen Gillespie manages uh, her players' minutes. Yeah, it's uh, those starting three guards in Robinson, Crompton, and Wong sit for a total of about 16 minutes a game between the three. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of minutes from them, and you are getting production from them. I mean, they're... Like I said, the three of them combined are averaging just under, just about 40 points a game this season. So, I mean, you're getting the production you want from them, but it's a little concerning knowing that they're going to be on the court that much and just you're not getting necessarily the production that you'd really love to have from your bench up to this point. Um, You do have Jasmine McGinnis-Taylor coming off the bench in the post position um, to replace Deanna Wilson. Hannah Kelly's back, so you're starting to see her get some minutes. Uh, She has 19 on the year through three games. Uh, Jada Stinson maybe getting some of that guard depth there, but you got to just find some consistency in that post like we talked about, and you got to be able to find some depth at the guard position in where you can rely on being able to score because when, as a coach, you think you might your scoring is going to take a big hit because you have to take somebody like Robinson, Crompton, or Wong out, you'd never want to have to do that. Yeah, I, I just think I mean, maybe it's just what they've just been forced to do uh, play those guys or play them so much because they've had those injuries and those yes. players are now coming back, but it's going to take time for them to get back in the swing of things because they haven't been on the court in in a while. So uh, again, there's no cause for concern yet, but they're like definitely in, at least in the post 
uh, they're, they're going to have to be more efficient and more effective because it they shot 22 for 71 versus St. Louis, and that's just not going to cut it. It was a 10-point game, but in most normal circumstances, it's, just, it's not enough. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Uh, they're back in action tomorrow morning, actually, 11 a.m. for the Education Day against UMSO. Um, I don't know if you if you were at the game last year, and in our press release that they sent out about it, they said they expect 6,000 students and fa- faculty. Is that a, Would you have guessed that was what it was last year? Not last year, but it was it was really loud. It it was probably the loudest game I've been to, and I I don't think there was a kid not cheering or making noise. So it's definitely going to be a lively environment tomorrow. Yeah, it should be an exciting one. Like I said, six thousand students and staff are expected into in attendance for this game uh, as the Redbirds look to bounce back after two straight losses. So they have UMSL Tuesday. Um, and then Purdue on Sunday before a week off or finals week. So a couple big games here. Look to get back on track, maybe find some uh, rhythm in that offense. Because, I mean, your defense has been pretty consistent most of this year, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, The next team I do want to talk about, uh, the UIC Flames. New to the MVC, but uh, just kicking off right where they want. uh, 8-1 early on this year. They've won five in a row now. Um, Some big wins, really. I mean, you beat Cincinnati by eight uh you beat Loyola a former MVC team by uh nine and and then before that you beat St. Thomas in overtime um some big wins for them across the board and I mean just as a team they've looked really good holding teams to just 55 points a game that's really incredible um and then obviously offensively um Josie Filer, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, leading the team with 13.1 points per game before Kai Dempsey-Tony, uh, 10.2. So a couple big scores there, but just that defense is really what you want to keep an eye out because 55 points a game is really incredible. Yeah, that defense is making it up for their offense because their offense, they're only they're 11th in points per game at 60. But, yeah, that defense, like you said, uh, averaging almost 50 – or only uh, holding teams about 55 points per game. They've only given up more than 63 points once. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see because I, I feel like I think Loyola was kind of like this last year a little yes, bit. It's a good replacement. It's yeah, in Chicago. I think SIU was that earlier in the year, if I if I remember yes. correctly. Uh, but yeah, the one thing I, I I noticed was with like you said, Kai Dempsey, Tony. She's averaging ten points, but she's only playing fifteen minutes per game. So I, I don't entirely know what's going on there. So I don't know if those minutes are going to kick up at some point. Fifteen. That is. That's crazy. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if those minutes kick up and then if her production builds even more. Look at that field goal percentage for her, too. 75.5 from the field. Even That's... even Filer, she, she's shooting 59%, 47%. From <laughs> that is incredible, really. Granted, I, I don't think Filer's clip has been... I think she's I think she's only taken like 17 threes. She's like 8 of 17, I believe. 8 of 17. Yeah, yeah 8 of 17. Friend, so, yeah. yeah, it's not a huge clip. It's still impress, impressive oh, yeah, nonetheless. 100%. I mean, their team's second in three-point percentage. Like, their offensive stats are good. They're just not scoring a lot. Like, they, they have the second-best field goal percentage in, uh, the, uh, in, in the VC. They're allowing their opponents to shoot 39% and 24% from three. Like, so, I, I think the thing to monitor will be if that... Uh, if their offense can take it to another level, because if if it does, then that's just going to be even scarier. Yeah, and you look at it and you talk about the field goal percentage, really good. It's shocking that they don't score more. I mean, three point percentage is not bad either. I mean, three sixty nine is not not bad for a, or thirty six point nine. I guess is how you would word that. That's not bad at all from three point land. I mean, you'd want a little more improvement, but not terrible. Uh, the big numbers 
Assist to turnover ratio, not great, 119 to 153 in the turnover category. You never want to see that. But then another number that stood out to me is their free throws. Um, Jada McLeod is their third leading scorer, um, but she's shooting just 48% from the line, 22 of 46 this year. And as a team, they're just 62% from the line. You never want to see that. And, I mean, that's, that's obviously a big part of their scoring troubles. I mean, that's 65 points that you've left off the board just on free throws through nine games. That's, I can't do the math right off the top of my head. That's over seven points a game that you're leaving on the board just because you miss free throws. Yeah, if, if it continues, uh, there, there's definitely going to be some games where it bites them. And oh, So I, I don't know if that's something midseason that's going to be easy to fix, but for their sake, they better hope so. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely a concerning number. But like I said, that defense, and like you talked about it too, that defense is just really, really solid. And when you have that type, that high-level defense, you saw what happens. SIU was a Final Four team last year in the MVC tournament. Great defensive team. Loyola made the tournament. ISU beat them, but that was a heck of a fight, and ISU won that game because of their defense. Defense is a big part of the game in this conference, and when you're playing at that high of a level, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Uh, I think that's it for UIC. The next team I do want to talk about, the Evansville Purple Aces, uh, currently sitting at 4-2. and two. Uh, They've won back-to-back games now um, against Moorhead State and Miami, Miami Ohio. Um, they've been an up-and-down team. I mean, Abby Fight has been the heart and soul of this offense. It's how it was last year, too. Uh, 15.8 points per game, but she does have some help in Maya Clark, 13.7, and Anaya Griffin, 12.8, and then Barbara Tomankavo, I believe is how you pronounce it, 10.5. So they have four people, uh, double-digit scoring, but I don't think enough can be said about Abby Fight, 15.8, 8.8 rebounds. It's just a really incredible line for her, and she's having a solid season, uh, the Bloomington normal native. So, Yeah, I think they're kind of the inverse of uh, UIC. They're second oh, in points per game, which is uh, uh, their second points per game at 76.5. But they're averaging eighty and a half per game, so defensively, there there's a lot of room to make up. You never want to be a negative point differential as a team that's above five hundred. Granted, they do have that loss to Iowa where they lost by forty three. So I mean that game makes everything else. Their two losses are by forty three and thirty nine. So anytime that, you face anytime you face Caitlin Clark, oh yeah, she's she's incredible. Yeah. But I think those two losses definitely hurt the uh, points per game a little bit. But regardless, you're right. That defense just needs to step it up a little bit. They're also they have the third most turnovers per game at eighteen point three, which is Ooh. is not. They're gonna have to drop that to at least if they can. They need to drop that to like around twelve or thirteen. Uh, but, I mean, it's good to see that the offense is there. But, like I said, it, it's just the complete opposite of where UIC is at. But they're 4-2. They're over 500 by two games. Uh, but offensively, they have clearly the depth. So, I think going forward, can they dig in defensively and make up that ground? But, like you said, I mean, there there's some skewed numbers there. Yes, I would, I would definitely say so. Um, you talked about the turnovers, the assisted turnover ratio, 0.7. You never want to see that, um, and yeah, it's just like we talk, like you said when we started this. Uh, they're kind of just flip flop from the UIC team. I mean, you have a team that's a high scoring offense, which is great. You always want that, and that's gonna win you a lot of games if you, if teams are struggling to stop you. But when you can't stop the other team, 
then when you start, if you hit a cold streak and that team's still going, you're going to have a hard time getting stops. And that's going to hurt you in the long run. It definitely will. But so far this season, outside of those two games, some big wins. Um, Eastern Kentucky, Chicago State, Miami, Ohio, and Moorhead State, like I said. Um, they've got about three more games now left until conference play starts. Uh, so conference play actually starts at the end of December. So a lot to work on there defensively if they want to kick off conference play strong. Like like we know they can with players like Abby Fight, like we talked about. Uh, the next team we do want to talk about, uh, Drake. Um, the Bulldogs uh, have had a tough schedule, to say the least, early on this year. Uh, played number four, Iowa, and took them to overtime, only losing by six. Uh, played number 22, Nebraska, and really killed them. I mean, you won by 18. Um, sitting at four and two on the young season. Um, they're averaging 85.5 points per game. Um, allowing 73.5, which that number is not great, but when you're uh, scoring 85.5, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, Maggie Bear and Megan Meyer have been a big part of that team, uh, 16.3 and 13.7 for them. Uh, starting uh, Katie Dinabier, uh 13.5, Grace Berg, 12.8, uh, Sarah Beth Goldner, I believe is how you pronounce it, 10.5. All those are starters. So when you have every starter averaging double digits, you're a scary team. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about the yeah, they face their their ranked opponents because, like you said, they face in Iowa, Nebraska. They take on number thirteen Creighton on Saturday. So, what a schedule they have early yeah. on in non conference play. I mean, they're four and two right now, one and one versus ranked teams. So they've been up to the task for the most part. I'd say, and only what you said they lost to Iowa by six, I believe. So in I mean, overtime. you'll you'll gladly take that. Uh, I think they're first in rebounds per game at forty five and a half. First in blocks per game at almost seven. But like Evansville, uh, they're averaging a lot of turnovers. They're averaging 19 uh, turnovers per game, which is the most uh, in the MVC. However, they've been able to counter that because they're first in assists, and they have the best turnover margin in the MVC, which is insane to see because they're averaging the most turnovers. But, yeah, their offense is incredible, like you said, with Maggie uh, Bear. On top of her th- uh, 16 points, yeah, seven and a half rebounds, two blocks, 1.7 steals on 69% field goal shooting, like being very efficient. And then Daniel Beers averaging 4.2 assists, which I believe is, is at least in the top three or five uh, in the NVC. Yeah. So they're just a wow. really well-oiled machine right now, especially on the offensive end. Um, it'll be interesting to see if maybe the uh, points per game allowed can go down, but they're looking good right now. Yeah, like I said, with uh, Evansville, I mean, you love seeing the 85.5, but you don't like seeing the 73.5. And it, sometimes it's just, it's like what I said with Evansville. I mean, you you have games where maybe you're off, and if you're unable to get a stop and the other team's on, you're going to have trouble winning those games. And I'm not saying that'll come across to them. They've had a tough schedule, and you got to give them credit for having this schedule. I mean, before their first conference game, game December 30th against Illinois State, they will have played four ranked teams. So, I mean, they're going to have a heck of a resume going into MVC play at the end of December and into January, and I, I think they're a team to look out for. I know uh, Belmont and ISU were picked one and two, but Drake looks really scary right now. So the last uh, women's basketball team we want to talk about, uh, the UNI Panthers, uh, currently sitting at four and three on this young season. Um, they have played two ranked teams themselves. Um couple losses they lost by three to Iowa State uh, lost by 19 to Creighton 
So a couple teams that Drake will have faced uh, coming ahead here. But uh, overall, I mean, this team has been a little up and down. They're the team that ISU beat in the MVC championship last year. Um, you look at their averages, and they're one of those middle-of-the-pack teams overall when you really look at it. You're averaging 72.7, allowing 69.3. So you're not the best in either of, the ca- in either of those categories, but you're also not the worst. Um, and they're a team who is going to put up a fight in every single game when you have a player like Grace Buffelli, uh 15.7 points per game. Cam Finley was a really big player for them last year. She's at 10.3. Maya McDermott, 15. They're a little more balanced offensively. Uh, you have those top two leading scores like a lot of teams do have. And then you have, like I said, 10.3, 9.8, 6.6. So you're getting a lot of production there, both starters and off the bench. Yeah, last season they were uh, second in points per game, but, I mean, they lost Car- uh, Carly Rucker. That's yeah. a huge uh, huge loss. Huge loss. Uh, I, and another team that uh, has not uh, performed uh great at the free throw uh, line. They're shooting 73 for 124, 59%, which is the fir- uh, worst in the NBC. What's up with free throw shooting early on this year? I feel like we've seen it both men's and women's basketball. I feel like every team is just struggling to make free throws. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. You, you would think uh, as you go on in, into the year that it gets better. Um, I, I would say one bright spot with them, they're averaging the least turnovers per game at 13.7, so at least they're not turning the ball over. Um, their third and field goal percentage at four to three uh, and, and a half almost, which is which is fine. Uh, they're uh, making almost eight, uh, almost nine threes a game, which is second in NVC. Uh, and then of course they have the pleasure of facing number ten Iowa on Sunday. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup to see since their defense is giving up almost seventy points per game. What uh, Kalen Clark and the Hawkeyes uh, are able to pull out? <clears throat> yeah. I just, it blows my mind. I feel like, uh, I thought Illinois State was playing a pretty solid schedule with teams like Dayton in them, and then you have Drake playing four ranked teams. Uh, UNI is going to be playing their third here this coming weekend. That's a, they're setting themselves up because these are really, really, really good basketball teams. When you're able to get the experience of playing these teams, figuring out what they do that makes them so good, and then bring that over into a mid-major conference like the MVC, you're going to have a lot of success, and that's really, really good for this team and for that program as a whole going forward. Um, but, yeah, I just the free throw percentage like we talked about, I don't know. I've always been a big free throw guy my entire life. When Every time I see a number under 60% as a team, you just you never want to see that. But I think everything else is looking good for that team right now. I mean, you're doing a lot of really good stuff, and you're playing some tough competition. So, It'll be interesting to see what this team can do going forward. But I think going into the year, a lot of people knew that they would compete after what they were able to do last year, even though they did lose Carly Rucker. Um, I think that's it for women's basketball. Anything else from you, Jacob? I don't have anything else right now. All right, so the last thing we do want to talk about, uh, the ISU men's basketball team. Um, started off the season a little rough there. Um, they started off... Two and one is what it was after they lost to Western Illinois. You take wins against Eastern and Northwestern State, regardless of who your opponent is, winning on the road's great. And now Northwestern State's a top 100 team in the net ranking that was just released today. So that's a good win for ISU. But then you lose to Northwestern State at home. You lose to Kentucky by a lot, 16. You lose to Western Kentucky by 12. You lose to Rhode Island by 13. You struggle the entire Cayman Islands Classic of scoring. And then you come out, go into conference play, and you put up one heck of a fight against Murray State, a very good team in my eyes, losing overtime. Then you come home, and you just 
shoot the lights out against Belmont. I don't know what got into that team. Uh, going into the game, they were 32% from three as a team, and they decided that they were just going to start firing away from deep, and they shot 13 of 21 in the game. They made their first eight threes after halftime. And then the player I do want to talk about specifically, what a game from Liam McChesney. Uh, going into the season, I knew he would have to step up. He got... Um, at the beginning of the year, he was a bit bit of a limited role last year, uh, but then he started to uh, pick up the minutes, especially once Cy Chapman went down. Uh, and then going into this year, he had a little bit of an injury going in, so it took him a bit to get into the rhythm of things. But wow, is he coming on. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks of steal. He's looked really good. Seneca Knight's starting to come on. And I think that's going to be the key, having a player like Seneca Knight who can maybe get his own bucket because the way he's attacking and creating spacing on the floor has been really good for this team. Yeah, they, they've really needed those go-to scorers, and the yeah. back-to-back games, Liam and Seneca have been really good. I mean, versus uh, Murray State, he had 20 points and 12 rebounds on 8-13 shooting, efficient, but and you just mentioned Liam, he, he scored 25 against Belmont on 9-12 of 12 shooting. He did have five turnovers, but again, it is what it is. Uh, Seneca had 17 on 6 and 9 shooting, just very efficient. Uh, they did have 19 turnovers. They were kind of they were able to balance out with 20 assists. But uh, if somehow if Liam and Seneca can kind of be their go-to scorers because they really need that person, they need someone they can rely on. Like they, they've gotten lucky a few games where, I mean, when you look at their box score, it's 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 a, it's a guess who of who's going to lead the team in scoring. You don't yes. know. So this might be a telltale sign of what's to come from Knight and McChesney. We're just going to have to keep watching. So my big thing is having a player like Seneca Knight who, while he can shoot, likes to live where he's cutting, slashing, driving in close. When you have a player like that on a team like this where you have a player like Malachi Poindexter, Darius Burford, Luke Kasubke, Colton Sandage, all these guys, if you leave them open deep, they're going to knock down that shot. So when you're able to have Seneca Knight driving, kind of like Antonio Reeves was able to last year, and then he's able to kick it out and you can be confident that they're going to knock down that shot, they're a scary team. I mean, I know 13 of 21 is like a fluctuated number. Like I said, they were shooting 32% going into the game, but a lot of those shots were contested. Colton Sandage had taken a lot because he – is really the heart and soul of that three-point shot for this team because he going in, I mean, everyone saw that exhibition game. They knew what he was capable of. But now you have players, like I said, Poindexter, Burford, all these guys, Lee McChesney spreading the floor, able to score in, middle, and out, all three levels, and play defense at the level that he does. This team's really starting to get into a bit of a rhythm. I know that they had lost five in a row before that win against Belmont, but outside of the Cayman Islands Classic, they looked, like I said, they looked really good about against Murray State. I think up until that point, that was the best game of the year. I think Belmont was their best game of the year. But uh, they got a tough schedule ahead of them. I mean, Eastern Michigan's a really good team with Amoni Bates. We talked about SIUE, and I mentioned the net ranking earlier. They're actually a top 100 team in the SI, or in the net ranking. Uh, they've put together a good schedule up to this point. We'll see what they do against Bradley this week. Um, you got the Indy Classic, and then you got one more game before conference play starts. So they're... <sighs> They're a really up-and-down team, and I think, though, like I said before the season, that it might take a little bit for them to start molding, and I think that might be starting to happen because when you saw Ryan Peet in that press conference, you saw the relief on his face getting that first home win, getting that conference win, and you think he's starting to gain some confidence. Yeah, they could have easily won that Murray State game. They shot 8-for-28 from 3, and they, they only shot 5-6 or six from the line. Six, like Only going to the line six times not great. Murray State uh, went 15 times, made 10. So... 
I mean, you can take you can take solace in the fact that you you really close, and that I mean, you're just gonna have to build on that. Of course, you always want the win, but it's it's just they're building blocks, and I, I think it's a good sign of where this team should be able to go. Yeah, one hundred percent. They're starting, like I said, they're starting to pick it up a little bit. Couple tough games ahead with Eastern Michigan, SIUE. Then you got Ball State and Chicago State, and then conference play starts Wednesday, December twenty eighth against UIC. So. A lot to look forward to for this team, but they've really started to turn around. It's a, it's a good look for this program, I think. Ryan Peden's going to do a good job with this. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Jacob? Uh, I don't have anything else. All right, so uh, we're going to have a long break here uh, after finals week, and then it's Christmas break, so it'll be a long break. Uh, a lot to talk about when we get back. But in the meantime, make sure to follow us on our Twitter accounts, at the underscore vedette and at vidi underscore sports, and uh, we will see you later.